So this is our second Sunday in in what's going to be a, a, a well, yeah our second Sunday in what's going to be a summer long look at the the letter of Romans or the book of Romans the letter of Paul to Rome and so we're already we're we're already up to chapter six so after I read this I'm, we're going to backtrack a little bit and I'm going to try to get you up to speed. Uh, one of the things that's very difficult about preaching Romans or preaching about the, the letter to Rome is that it's really dense. And when you read it, you feel really dense. Or at least I do. Because it's, it's pretty, it's, it, the, the language Paul uses is, is difficult to understand. He uses these long sentences. Um, and of course, he was writing in the, in the Greek and we translate it to the English, and so there, there's, there's lots, of, lots of things going on here, lots of difficulty, um, and, and it's really hard to study just in pieces. But I'm, I'm, so we're going to do the best we can, and I'm going to do the best I can to try to, to keep you up to speed with it. So listen to this, and this is from the message translation. Later, I'm going to be using... No, you don't have it from the message translation? I just saw that look. Yes, yes, you do. Yes, you do. So... Um, Later on, I'm going to be picking up my Bible, which is the New Revised Standard Version, um, and that's what I'll be, I'll be talking out of, so, so just know it's going to sound a little bit different, but I think you'll like this version. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happens in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going into our new grace-sovereign country. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer it sins every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in His life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of it was a, a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. But alive he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue. And you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. It's the end of the passage. Personally, I think the book of Romans centers around the 12th chapter, or at least the first part of the 12th chapter. 
And I want to read that real quick. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So throughout the book of Romans, Paul is is basically writing this theological treatise. It was, it's probably one of the last letters that Paul wrote, but these letters were being read in worship. They didn't have the Gospels yet, or maybe, maybe we think Mark, or maybe we think some pieces of the Gospels were around being shared in, in the house churches. But we're pretty sure, well, we know that, that Paul's letters were some of the first things being read in, in those house churches, because he was writing to them, encouraging them. So what they were learning about, about Jesus was not coming from what we know as the Gospels. We, we have the benefit of, 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 these, of the four Gospels and and, and, and all of that before we ever get to Romans or to Corinthians or Galatians or any of these other letters. So I, as I read these, sometimes I'm just like, I, I, it's so confusing. It would be so confusing to not have the story of Jesus right alongside all of this. But So Paul is really, um, because we know that in Rome, this was a very, Rome was a very um, educated city in terms of in terms of the people on the on the upper levels the, these were people they would sit around in the public forums and they would have philosophical slash theological discussions they would they would discuss ethics and morals out in the public square and, and and some of that was sport you would go and you would go and listen to these thinkers just talk back and forth and so Paul is writing to the church at Rome and and he's laying out this 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 whole argument and so I just if you ever think of it just go open up the Go open up Romans and just start reading it aloud. And just imagine sitting there while someone read through the whole letter in the worship service. It's over 12 chapters long. So just imagine that and trying to keep it all straight in your head. So, so just understand, wherever we jump in, we're jumping in in the middle of something. So, so, if, so if you're confused, know that you're probably not alone. And even after reading it, you may be confused. Just because Paul, is, it's very It's very dense. But Paul has been, he's been writing, he's been writing about the fact that the law, meaning the Torah, the first five books of, the, of what we know now as the Old Testament, the law for Jews, that Jesus has fulfilled the law, that Jesus was the, the end of the law, meaning that he fulfilled the law, and that now there, that there, there is this new law of grace, in a sense, that has come to pass. And so he's been talking about how how um, he's been sort of railing against that we are not justified by what we do. That we don't get right with God by our actions. And so Paul is in every, in every place here, he is transforming, um, trying to transform their understanding of, of what they think they know. And, and what we know is that, I mean, and I talked about this last week, that that... Uh, the way people related to God before, before the advent of the God that we know in the Old Testament was, uh, it was really um, a God where you, you, you had to do things in order to receive God's favor. You had to make sacrifices, you had to you know, 
live a certain way, do certain things, but especially the sacrifices and the worship you had to do. And even in the Old Testament, we have, we have those things laid out. And I talked about this last week, how the book of Leviticus um, is, is really a step forward in our understanding about, about God because everything is prescribed. Even though, it's, even though it is you know, very, very precise about things, it was the first time in human history that people knew what they were supposed to give to God. It was perfectly prescribed. They knew if they did this, they were in right relationship with God. So it's sort of a justification by works, justification by following the law. And, and yet Paul continues to argue that, um, you know, we as human beings still break the law. <laughs> we still break the law. And so he comes into chapter 5. Um, talking about being justified by faith and that, and that Jesus died for us um, while we were still sinners um, at the right time. And then, and, then, and then he begins to lay out this argument, this thing about Adam. And, and, and this, I guess the understanding is really that, that Adam is, is where sin comes from. Sin enters the world through Adam. That's what Paul would say. Most of the time the focus is on Eve, right? We blame Eve. I think it's funny that we do that because Paul blames Adam. Um, Paul blames Adam. He says that sin came into the world through, through Adam, but grace comes into the world for everyone through Jesus. So he makes this comparison between Adam and Jesus, and he does that a couple of times in his letters. And, and so he keeps talking about this grace and that, yes, sin continues to happen, but God's grace continues to abound, and sin continues to happen, and God's grace continues to abound. And he, and, and he ends chapter 5 on this note of, of what, what I would call just amazing grace. Grace that is so abundant it almost, it almost feels too free. You know, that, that it's, just, it's just like, well, does what I do even matter? And oftentimes when we talk about the free gift of grace, I think we, we get a little, we've been taught, we've been conditioned so much that, if, if, that, that what we get is based on how hard we work, on what we give, on the works that we do. And Paul here is saying, Christ covers all that. You have been justified not by works of the law, but by faith. And by grace. And so he, he just rings this note right at the end. He says, But law came in, this is the end of chapter 5, with the result that the trespass multiplied, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that just as sin exercised dominion in death, so grace might also exercise dominion through justification, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he, so he really draws this big um, that, that as sin continues in grace, just continues to grow. And so then he says, because the question is that he's anticipating is this one, what then shall we say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? Because he knows, he knows, he knows us. He knows that why we might say we don't want to sin, but that we're still sort of in love with sin. <laughs> we're still sort of in love with, with brokenness. We still do things that go against ourselves and others. And so he's combating this thing to say, well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Because that's our natural inclination, I think, is to ask that question. Well, should we just continue to sin and just, and just, and just, have, and just so that grace can, can grow and grow and grow? 
He says, by no means. But he doesn't doesn't take us back to some sort of works righteousness. He takes us forward. He transforms an understanding of, of sin and death, because they're linked, to a new life in Christ. He leads us forward into something different. That we, we are not, we, we don't live into this new life in order to receive God's grace. We have received this God's grace and so now we live into this new life. It's just a, a little, it's just, it's so subtle. And tricky because we want to make it, we want to make it into works righteousness again. Well, look how good I am. God's got to be really pleased with me. I mean, how often um, have you maybe thought, uh, why is God doing this to me? I've, I've, I've been living a good life. Why did, why did God give me this illness? Or why did God give me, you know, my child's illness? Why did God give me, you know, we blame, we blame all this stuff on God we, because, we, because we often still operate with this sort of quid pro quo sort of thing. But Paul says that's not how it works. You've been given a new life in Jesus Christ because you have, you have died with him. The old life is gone. In baptism, in the water, you're dead. We drowned you. We held you under until you were dead. When you came up, you were raised with Christ into this brand new life. Sin holds no dominion. That's what he would say in you anymore. But that doesn't mean that we might, not, we might not sin. It doesn't mean that we might not continue to do things that we don't want to do. It does not mean that we're not going to suffer. But it means that we are held in Christ Jesus and we are, and we are invited to live into this new life. And, when, and, and Paul says, when you, and when, you, when you have been invited into this new life... Uh, as it says in the message, like when you've moved into this new city, into this new house where, the, where sin does not have dominion, how can you continue to do the same things that you used to do? You begin to think differently. You begin to live differently. You begin to, you, you begin to, to consider things differently. You begin to grieve differently. You begin to see the the sorrows of the world differently because you've been given God's viewpoint on things now. Because now you've been invited into this this brand new life that comes, Paul says, when when you go through the water, when you come through this baptism, when you become part of the community, when you are washed clean of all that was before, in this sacrament, you become something new and different, even though you may not feel it. Because God's grace, God's love, the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ is not a feeling. As much as we'd like to make it into one, as much as we'd like to, as much as we'd like to have that ecstatic experience of having it wash over us, and sometimes it does happen, you know, maybe you're up on a mountaintop and something happens, or maybe you're in worship and you just feel, you know, go to a, go to a, go to a good old Pentecostal church, man, you'll see people getting slain by the Spirit, you know, falling out right and left, you know, and, but maybe that's not what happens for you, maybe that's, maybe that's not the gift that you're going to receive, but it's not a feeling. 
It's a fact that Jesus died to cover all the sins. To set us free from having to live in that way anymore. Set us free to see a new vision and a new life here and now. And so that's why, that's why you see people who follow Jesus doing these amazing things with their lives. That's why you see people like, like a, someone who be, the woman who became Mother Teresa. You know, you see her leaving her old life behind, taking on a new life, working with the, the poorest and the most difficult cases in India, pouring herself out. That's why you see people like Martin Luther King Jr. putting himself in the line of fire for people that he doesn't even know. That's why I see you giving generously of your time and your talents and your resources, serving at at the Children's Hospital or serving at the Science Museum or, or serving meals down at Grace Fellowship or serving with Caritas or whatever it is that you might do in your local community. Because you don't do that just because you're a good person. I believe you do that because the Spirit of God is in you and compels you almost, draws you into that new place. That if we were completely under sin's dominion, we would just be so self-focused and self-centered that we would, not, we would not reach out to others and care for others in the same way that we do. We would not wonder if there was more that we could do. We would not have those questions. We might not look around us and go, well, does it matter that this child doesn't have an opportunity for a good education? Does it matter if that one isn't get, getting enough food? Does it matter if someone all the way across the world doesn't have access to health care or to medicine that is so readily available? I mean, sometimes I wonder. We, we take it so much for granted and we attribute it so much of the time. We just attribute it to the goodness of humanity. But God created us and God gave us God's spirit. God gave us Jesus to open our eyes to this grace. And when we come through that water, we may not feel it, but we are changed. We are different. Death has been changed to life. We become something new. And we live with Christ. I love that um, in the message, he, uh, as he translates that, he says, he says, um, when Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive, he brings God down to us. That in Jesus, God is no longer up there, out there, somewhere inaccessible, but that through Christ, we have access to God, we understand who God is and what God does in a much greater way because we see who Jesus is. And we then are partnered with him. We are aligned with Christ because we have died to sin and we have been raised with him to this newness of life. And I know we don't like this sin language very much. I'm going to talk about that next week, actually. To talk about that sin language because most of us don't like being called sinners. 
because it's just true, but that's a whole other thing. So I invite you, and, and today, this, has been, this feels much more like I've just been giving a little talk, not really a message, not really a sermon. It's, it's thick, theological, difficult stuff. And I hope, in some ways, that you have more questions than you have answers as you, as you walk away. Because I, what I want, to, want you to do is I want you to dive into the Scripture. And what I want you to hear today, though, is... No matter how difficult things are, no matter how broken you feel, you have been given a new life. You have been given God's Spirit. You are becoming different every day in Christ. And as you seek to follow Him, He's taking you from that seed into that beautiful flower. May you know that path. May you live into that new life. And may you bring God's beauty into the, your, the life of you, your, into your life, into your family, and into the world. Amen.